For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and play. Cousins throws, passes. Now listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings with B-Mac and Baker. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Super Bowl champion Bryant McKinney, who played for the Vikings, Ravens, and Dolphins. We got Sally from Minneapolis, Ron Saw from Eden Prairie and Franchise Tagged. And then we have Dan from Purple Pain Forums joins us tonight from that website, which is a pretty phenomenal website. If you uh, have a chance to check it out, I recommend you do so. Uh, the Vikings had a scrimmage today. We'll talk about that. The Broncos, the preseason game this week, uh, depth chart came out. A lot of sizzling stuff. But first, we got betonline.ag. Uh, if you're into sports betting, betonline is where you should go to win the big money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures uh, for who you think will win the championship, betonline has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. For example, on Bet Online, Patrick Mahomes is the front runner to win the MVP this season, followed by Josh Allen, followed by Matthew Stafford, if you can believe that. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before you head to the next big game, head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. Betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. And we also have Believe X Balance 7. So I don't know if any of you have heard of Bob, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. Uh, there was a press release about how he started talking about a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, quote, I have enormous amount of energy, which is good for me, and it's important for me while working out. I need always need an energy uh, supplement to level up. Lamar nailed it there, and after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, it's safe to say the stuff's working for him. Cool thing is that we have a promotion running for Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their uh, website, balance7.com, and use the code BLEAV at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of a Balance 7 product. That product retails for $13.99, so I think it's worth it. Uh, again, head to balance7.com and use the code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, and check out to get uh, that promotion. Uh, you darn sure better head on over there. Uh, if it worked for Lamar, it can work for you too. Your Minnesota Vikings and the Denver Broncos had a scrimmage today. I'll briefly recap kind of mm-hmm. what happened there for any folks that missed out. Um, our wide receiver six or seven, uh, Blake Prohl, who is the son of Ricky Prohl, was injured today. It was pretty gruesome, it sounded like, and he will be shelved, we think, for a while. The second receiver we will have lost was BC Johnson, who went down about two weeks ago and who was lost for the season. Uh, we don't know what happened. I didn't see it. Uh, his knee just buckled mm. and, and it looked terrible. Uh, I didn't see the video. I don't know if there is video, but uh, yeah, uh, Courtney Cronin reported that it, it was pretty nasty, completely collapsed was the word she used to describe his knee. Hopefully not Greg Childs-like where that ended his career before it began. So, yeah, that one, that that was no good. Uh, Both offenses kind of, from what I gather, dinked and dunked and underwhelmed a bit. Both teams have pretty good defenses. I don't know if that's the excuse, but they didn't really open up the field very much in terms of offensive fireworks. Uh, Justin Jefferson was back on the field, but just – throwing the ball with uh, other players not in the action. I think when we had our panic attack last Friday, um, it all of the fears that we had were vanquished. It seems like it really is just a tweak that sent us into a tailspin last year with Daniil Hunter. And the final takeaway is that the defense was wonderful. 
particularly the uh, interior defensive line with Tomlinson and Pierce. Now, the secondary, I guess I should, should spoke too soon, uh, wasn't too staunch from what I gathered, but the defensive line was hitting on all cylinders. So that is a recap of today's event. Sally, were you going to yeah. jump in? Um, they said that I think I read the cornerbacks had some penalties. What was Ooh. going on there? I didn't. I did not catch oh. that. Oh. I read that Breland got a pretty bad penalty oh, and some, okay. someone else. I'm not sure. Well, that would be, um, that would be uh, his MO. That's what the one knock on Breland's yeah. game is that he's physical to a fault. Mm-hmm. So we might want to prepare for a little bit of that. Now that he, this is a segue. Thank you for the segue. This, uh, he is the designated QB one or two, depending on how you interpret the depth chart. And that is our first topic for the night is it was, it's one of those things like, when this news drops that boom, the Vikings first unofficial depth chart is there for me. It's like, Holy grail of news. Oh, I got to see it for the rest of the world. It's like, who cares? It's a depth chart. Um, but that for a preseason in- game, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not just a depth chart, any depth. Well, chart. It, gave, it gave us so many clues. So, uh, yeah. So first preseason game of a three game slate. too. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, the takeaways from that are indeed Breland is the starting quarterback for a while. The weak side linebacker is Nick vigil. The right defensive end is Stephen Weatherly, not DJ Wanham, who had a, a sweet week last week. Rashad Hill, for better or worse, will be the left tackle for a couple weeks. Uh, and then right guard belongs to uh, Oli Udo. And that's a little surprise, considering we have what we think is a Herculean talent, Wyatt Davis. Uh, but enough of me talking. Danny, welcome to the show from Purple Pain Forums. What was your biggest surprise on this depth chart that fell out of the sky on us? Hey, Dustin. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest surprise is definitely Oli Udo over Dozier. So it initially seemed like Dozier was getting penciled into that spot. He got a lot of reps with the ones and Udo was, he had moved a left tackle for part of one practice when Hill was out. He's been only rotating in with the ones at right guard. So I think it's really encouraging to see him penciled with the ones doesn't mean that he's going to be the starter, but you know, he, he's not Dozier. I hear you. Uh, Brian McKinney, you never really had to sweat depth charts. I don't think very much, especially on the Vikings who you notoriously say didn't have a backup for you, but did the other guys when a depth chart would uh, hit, what was kind of the buzz in the locker room? I feel like when I was there, we kind of knew for the most part, who was going to be in what positions. I mean, probably every once in a while, like Anthony Herrera, like ended up moving up on the depth chart and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but for the most part, we kind of already knew. Um, like me, Matt Burke, like we kind of knew like who was going to be there for the most part, um, especially when they brought people in. But um, there still seemed like they're still moving people out of position. Like I, you said, somebody played tackle, then right guard, and now he's the left guard. Like I wish they would just let people play their natural position. And, and start getting backups and let the backups be the ones who can rotate instead of keep moving these starters to other positions. Like, let them play the position that they are used to playing or most comfortable playing or most dominant playing and stop moving them out of position. And that's the job of the backup to come in and kind of feel like those those players, six, seven, and eight, they're the ones who are supposed to be able to kind of, we all call them the more you can do players who can play multiple positions because that's when you, you come in and you just fill that little void instead of, rotating though and disorganizing the whole line it's, it's just it's, i don't like that well, do you think some there's some sorry dustin do you think brian there's some merit to like obviously you know take your case for example you were one of the best players on one of the greatest college football teams to ever play so they knew what they were getting with you but it seems like a lot of the guys we have now are either developmental guys or they don't have that defined spot do you think there's some merit in the fact that we're just going to try to coach up some guys and get the best out of them and try them out at different spots to see what fits because maybe they don't have a natural position and they're just i feel like but but on film you've seen where they are succeeding better at you know what i mean so let them be there and focus on that because you can't keep having somebody go from left side to right side that's different hand it's a lot of things that mentally you got to start now saying oh this this play i gotta do this like it's a lot that's going on from a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint so somebody can be overwhelmed keep making them switch both sides of the line. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, if they are a better right guard, let them stay there instead of keep switching back and forth to the left and right. Like, put somebody else, plug another person in in that position where somebody is injured or whatever. 
I, I tend to uh, agree with you, Bryant, A, because you know what you're talking about with your boots on the ground experience, and B, we have done what you've said, uh, the inverse of putting guys, you know, let's try them out here. And every year for at least since 2017, the offensive line pass protection has struggled. So I believe that you are correct that uh, I know that I know the philosophy. They feel like they want to keep the better players on the field. So they feel like this person's a better player. But you got to kind of figure out. Oh, you got to kind of figure out. Are they just because they're the better player? Like, let them be the better player in the position and just let somebody plug, just plug somebody in. Yeah. I hear you. Sally on the train or excuse me, the depth chart release. Was there anything that stood out that you'd like to speak on? Well, there's two things. Um, The first thing is the wide receivers. Um, WAP fifth string doesn't seem appropriate, (laughs) Um, but maybe he'll move up now that parole is out. Um, And then I'm confused about the uh, punt returner. I'd like to get you guys' thoughts on that. um, Abdullah. Oh, I think that is safe the anti-fumble route. And I think Westbrook will take that before it's all said and done, but he's just not quite healthy yet. Uh, I think there's a lot of sizzle with what uh, Osborne could potentially do or Smith-Marset, but Zimmer uh, has anxiety when it comes to special teams. And I don't think that he's willing to trust somebody after what happened last year. So I say Amir Abdallah is safe, unsexy, and voila. Oh, sorry, I mispronounced that. But has he returned punts? What? He used to be a speedster. I think he was primarily a kick returner. And early in his career, he did do some punts. But yeah, I mean, he does, he catches the ball, um, you know, which is one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't seem that different to me, but people act like it's a big difference. So uh, that's why I I was asking. I do think Zimmer, though, like, and perfect examples on that offensive line. And I know uh, both Darisa and Wyatt Davis have had injuries, but just across the board where um, whether it's offensive line or even secondary with Breland, like Zimmer seems like the type of guy where when he puts out that unofficial depth chart, he does it kind of to send a message because he doesn't give the young guys their due right away, but he makes them earn it. But I think in a lot of ways, it lights a fire under them because, you know, like Trey Wayne's a perfect example, even though it took him maybe like a year or two before he kind of fell into good graces with them. He was never handed that job, even being the 14th pick. So it's um, whether it's right or wrong. I don't know if Brian, if you've had coaches who it seems like they do that, where if you're a rookie, I don't care where you're drafted, you're not high up on the depth chart. Or if you're a new guy coming in, you're, you're going to have to earn that spot. But uh, um, I mean, do you have any experiences of guys that come in right away? Some people like say, if it's a free agent, you pay him money, you're going to put him high on the depth chart. Um, I can see with some of the rookies, they want to see, you know, how they're going to train camp. So they might not start them right away. Um, but they'll allow them, you know, when Dev Sharp comes out too, that motivates some guys to try to work their way up as well. So we may see that during the training camp. But um, I think that some rookies, I'm not sure if they would just put them up starter right away unless like they're a first round or something. My little piece on this before we get on to the next topic is that Uh, I'm disappointed that the three rookies that we brought or we got from the Jets trade um, haven't done much. So what I'll be willing to say is outside of a season-ending injury, uh, you can't really script a worse start for the collective bunch. Mon got COVID. Davis has something and just doesn't really even do anything yet. And then Derisaw hasn't really done much because he's hurt. And we thought there was a reasonable chance the two offensive linemen would start and that mom would be QB2. And besides Darisaw, they're nowhere near those on this first depth chart. So uh, the sky is not falling. It's first, not, we haven't had a preseason game yet. But if you wanted these rookies to blast out of the gate and start week one, you better get used to something else. Do we know um, what the plan is for um, distributing game time for guys in the game? Because I know things now that there's not four games anymore, mm-hmm. the order has kind of changed. Um, yep. As far as what's typical, you'll be absolutely shocked to know that Zimmer is very mum on this topic. <laughs> no <laughs> he way. Sa- he says, I'll do what I do. I know what I'm going to, but I'm not telling you. 
I think the like the general consensus just from hearing kind of the national people talk about it is that game one is going to be minimal veteran play. It's going to be kind of that initial feel out, get, just get people their feet wet. But game two is going to essentially be the game three. And okay. then game three. But not still game three to game four. Yeah, so game yeah, one, then, they'll play one quarter. Game two, they'll play um, up into the, the first series of the third quarter. And then game three, they won't play. And then it sounds like, yeah, game three this year, like that none of the, anyone that's making the team isn't going to be playing at all because, you know, injury-wise. And the, the fact they extended, I believe, it still this year that you have the 90-man roster through the entire preseason. So, um, I mean, at least that seems like it would make the most sense. So, Did you play a lot of preseason games, Brian? Yeah. You weren't Adrian, who just goes out, gets a fake handoff or a play action just to get the feel for it and hit the, hit the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Danny, the next one is to you, a different topic. So we've seen DJ Wanham get some uh, unexpected playing time. Maybe not unexpected, but he's shined in the opportunity he's got. And, and Zimmer has even stood him up as a coverage type of edge rusher. Um, which we didn't see a whole lot of last year. And to my knowledge, he was drafted as a defensive end. Lo and behold, he's doing a little bit more than that. He even had a pick six in the scrimmage from last, uh, the team on team scrimmage from last weekend. Do you foresee we actually use this in the regular season or is this just Zimmer and Patterson showing off a little bit? I, I do think there is a chance that we're going to see it as a package, maybe kind of like how you see the the wildcat and offense. So First few weeks of the season, I could see them roll out a few three, four formations. You know, there's actually been a, some buzz on Purple Paint about the Vikings potentially showing three or four fronts. Because, you know, we had a Dalvin Tomlinson. He has a lot of – and Michael Pierce. So both of our D tackles have a lot of experience in the three, four. Um, DJ Wanham played outside linebacker at South Carolina. So he, he does have some experience. So I could see it as an experimental thing. But, you know, they could phase it out by – you know, week four or five, if it's not working. The, the reason that I will believe it when I see it is, you know, habitually with Anthony Barr for seven yeah. years, oh, yeah. we've had this fantasy <laughs> that he's going to do that. And every time I see it or hear it from friends or whatever, I'm like, they would have done it by now. And it's not like uh, Zimmer doesn't know what he's doing on defense. And if it was that advantageous, he probably would have tried it. And usually outside of 2020, we're fostering these great defenses. So I've never got too much out of the bar stuff. However, uh, Wanham is being used, at least in these trial periods. So it's intriguing. Uh, Ron, do you think it translates to games that Wanham gets linebacker action? You know, I think in a sense it does. Um, now, I don't know if I'd say that we're you know going to be doing a lot of three, four fronts, but uh, just in general, Mike Zimmer likes to move things around as evident of the evidence of the playoff game against the Saints, where both Hunter and Griffin went on the inside because that was their weakness, the interior lineman. So um, I think um, I like seeing on Twitter that there was a lot of five, two fronts. I know I've kind of uh, um, pointed to that with our three defensive tackles um, that I would love to see that going forward. And uh, so it seems like they did a lot of mix of that as well. Um, I mean, there's a lot of pieces, chess pieces that Zimmer has to work with, especially when you have two very good linebackers and Kendricks and Barr, um, and you know, they're going to be in their spot and not going to make mistakes. You can maneuver those fronts, um, like kind of like how the Steelers have done it all the years with playing, you know, one, five, and whatever, just getting pass rushers out there with one big guy in the middle. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, you know, anywhere that these guys can get reps um, to see the field, um, I think Wanham's going to be uh, the primary pass rusher on third or on third downs opposite a hunter. So um, however you can get him on the field, the better. If there was ever a time for the Zimmer Vikings to try a 5-2, it is now because you've got the, the two show-stopping linebackers with a big mystery on who's going to be the uh, weak sider. And then you have too many three techs when we just didn't have any, uh, but now we do. And yeah, it would be tailor made for it. I'll believe it when I see it. Bryant um, during training camp, you know, when we're, we're, we see stuff like we're talking about with little wrinkles of three, four, do you guys do a lot of experimental stuff that you never actually use, or does it usually find its way into the regular season? Well, for as a defensive front, they would experiment. They would experiment and now instead of, well, they're they're trying. Into the season. Um, say it again. You said they're trying. Well, they're on defense. Yeah, I mean, I meant uh, in your offensive heyday. Was there stuff that you you did? Oh, offense. They give us a lot of plays. Um, mm-hmm. 
we go through a lot of plays basically through training camp, and they kind of like start eliminate plays, I guess, as they're not being successful. Okay. And then every once in a while during the season, they may play back that we probably don't train camp and just didn't put in our like arsenal all the time and just try it against that team and, and practice and stuff to see if it works. But yeah, they try they try a lot of different things um, in training camp just to kind of see what we're executing, what we're not. Okay. Sally, do you think Wanham usurps Weatherly for the starting right end, or do you think Wanham will just be using the Swiss Army knife type of gig? Um, I, yeah, I'm going Swiss Army knife. I, I, you guys pretty much touched on all of it. I think, uh, I think it's inevitable that we see more of him. I know it's all just two weeks training camp, but he's doing stuff. And uh, we don't have a bona fide Everson Griffin-like right defensive end. So I think that is a segue for Wanham to get more time than, you know, if we would assign Justin Houston or something like that. Uh, our, our first, our week one game that Sally will be going to against the Cincinnati Bengals is one month away or one month from tomorrow. And I wanted to go through some of the, the storylines that are in front of us at Zimmer's first game coaching at Cincinnati, where he spent six seasons as a defensive coordinator. The Vikings will go up against Riley Reef was their left tackle last year. Now he's the left tackle for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Mackenzie Alexander's played hopscotch between the teams. Now he's back with the Vikings, plays his old team. Trey Waynes left the Vikings, go to the Bengals. He'll see us for the first time um, as an opponent. Uh, so those are the little things, the fun things to watch for. <clears throat> and when I studied the schedule, a uh, question came to my brain. I'll start with you, Ron. Do you consider week one a must win considering uh, that we have the Cardinals, Seahawks, and Browns right after it? Now, I don't know if I'd say must win is the right phrase because um, I feel like any week one you want to come out and you don't want to start behind the eight ball going 0-1. Um, now, it is going to be a little more um, important to come out with a victory because of the schedule to follow. Like if you, you know, go to Cincinnati and lose, then you have to go to Arizona with, you know, they're going to be a revamped team in a way. Um, obviously getting uh, Rodney Hudson up front, that's going to help their offensive line and Kyler Murray obviously showed um, his ability and then getting JJ Watt, if he's healthy on the defensive end. Um, so it's going to be a tough game regardless. Just, I mean, any road game is, especially assuming there's capacity at, at stadiums. Um, but, uh, and then Seattle and Cleveland to follow that. So if you start off on one, like you're going to have to scramble to, you know, be two and two um, after four. Um, but the, the thing where I think it's more important is Cincinnati, regardless of where they were last year versus this year, they're not a good team. They're young. They're in rebuild mode. Their defense isn't very good. And Joe Burrow is still, you know, he hasn't played a full season in the NFL. So um, it's, that would be more the depressing part is if we go and lose to a team that's unproven when we have, you know, like a lot of people would say that the Vikings have won the off season. Now I know that doesn't translate to anything because the Cowboys Redskins or Washington football team, they're notorious for doing that. Um, so winning the off season means nothing, but based on where we were last year with having that potent offense with just a terrible defense, um, I think just getting the names in their spots to start, um, they should be better. So if it's a letdown week one, I think uh, it could be in for a long, we could be in for a long season. Should also note that Joe Burrow, or the hubbub, the reports are that he hasn't been himself or played well in training camp. He's still young. That could be nothing, but he's not setting it on fire. So uh, we don't have to worry about that, at least uh, like the Justin Field stuff that we're hearing about. Danny, what about week one? I have my little theory that it's damn near a, a must win. Do you feel that way? Or is it, will it be just kind of a, a sloppy, boring week one game the Vikings usually author? I really got to hesitate to say that any early season game is a must win. So many different things can happen over a season. You know, who knows? You could start on one and then go on a five game tear. You know, we could get beat by the Bengals, but then, you know, week four against Seahawks comes around and Geno Smith that quarterback for them. So that's a free win. So is that a call? That is not a prediction. He's <laughs> pretty durable. Yeah. I hear you. Sally, See, I, you're gonna, sorry, sir. I cut you off. So yeah, I, I, I can't really call it a must win. It's got to be late season for that, but you know, they really should win it. Fair enough. Sally, you're going to be there. Do you consider it a must win? 
Okay. Oh my gosh. Something I'm finally impassioned about. It's not going to work. Okay. I think it's absolutely a must win. If this team thinks that they're going to compete for the division, you have to win this game. You're playing against Zach Taylor, who is six twenty-five and one as a coach. You're playing against Joe Burrow, who reportedly is not really even throwing the ball right now. It's not his knee from what I understand. And I mean, the rest of the schedule for the for the remaining three weeks after that are difficult. So if they are serious about going to the next level and winning the division, competing with Green Bay for real, these are games you have to win. Preach on, sister, because I don't need to add anything to that. And that's ra- <laughs> that's rare for me. Um, I, I feel exactly the same way. And it's the proverbial couldn't have said it better myself. Bryant, uh, week one games, are those, you know, butterflies in your stomach? Do you, you feel like it's sloppy no matter what? Do sometimes it feels great? Tell me about a week one experience. It is a little sloppy because it's your first time you're playing a full game. So you're also worried about your condition as far as playing a full game. Um, And then just technique wise, you just kind of see how you're coming along and, and how you and the, the person next to you, are doing for us communication and timing, things like that. So, I mean, week one, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. So hopefully you just want to make sure you're on the right page. And once you get past week one, if you feel like you did great, then everything should be, you know, good moving forward. Is Cincinnati a tough place to play? Like when you were with Baltimore? Um, I don't really recall them being a really a tough place to play. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't recall, like, them being a real tough place to play. Okay. It's... Uh, the next thing that I had, uh, we can come back if you get if you get the audio. Uh, Justin Jefferson on Friday uh, was slammed to the turf after catching a pass, and he quickly went off the field to the training room, and that left the folks that follow the Vikings in a minute to minute basis uh, pretty spooked. So um, everybody was panicked. We didn't know what it was, and it turns out it was essentially nothing. It's week to week. He'll be fine and ready, but that that made me think for the panel here, Ron, would this team or this offense be dead in the water without Justin Jefferson? Now, I don't know if dead in the water um, because, you know, you've alluded to it in a lot of your writings before. Like, Kirk has done well with subpar receivers. You know, Washington, you know, with Josh Doxson and, uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, you know, well long in the tooth. So I don't think he needs the the dynamic um, ability to be productive, but you do lose that that dynamic element. And I think that would be, um, again, not devastating, but it would hurt because now instead of being able to get a quick hitter and have like a short, you know, three play, four play drive, now you're going to have to have those 12, 13, 14 play drives um, to just, you know, get those chunks on the ground and you're losing that big playability. So um, while it would hurt, yes. And, you know, I did my heart definitely skip the beat because <laughs> I'm relying on him in my dynasty league. So um, <laughs> um, I really don't want to see that happen, but um, I mean, I think we could make do with just our offensive uh, system, the running game and multiple tight ends. And obviously Adam Thielen's still out there. So um, I don't want to see it. I'm glad that he's to see him throwing a football the way he is like that shows that the range of motion is still there. So, um, you know, we'll take a week at a time, but he better not wear pads the rest of the, the preseason. We've seen enough out of him. I, uh, I agree on all of that. And I will add the same sentiment if it were to happen if that did happen on that Friday, Uh, just the way that we felt when Dalvin Cook and Sam Bradford were lost in 2017, I was right there thinking, God, this is going to be a fun 6-10 and remainder. And it was the polar opposite. They went on an eight-game win streak after Cook was hurt. Figure that one out. It all started with that game at uh, Chicago when Bradford looked like a four-year-old and Case came, came in and managed the game to victory that one. And then they were just gangbusters. So... Uh, Danny, the Super Bowl sizzle for me would be probably be gone with Jefferson, but I don't think the team would suck. How how much do you think the offense would be hindered without Jefferson if that would have been the doomsday scenario last week? I mean, it would take a pretty massive blow. I mean, you just imagine, I mean, right now your third receiver is KJ Osborne. You're supplant, you know, he's going to maybe play 20% of the snaps in a regular season game. You put that him into hundred percent, then, okay, maybe you have BB or Smith smart set now playing the third receiver. 
that's a pretty big drop off. I mean, yeah, I think they would survive, but yeah, the offense is explosive. Potential would be down. Teams would be able to key in on Dalvin Cook in a running game a lot more. It, it would really hurt. I think that uh, Travis, <laughs> Travis Kelsey, Irv Smith would have to start getting Travis Kelsey like targets as well. Talking 120, 130 like obscene amounts of targets to compensate for Jefferson loss. And I don't think he would complain because um, we're, we're all counting on a breakout season. Sally, is your audio back? Is it? Yes. Ah, yeah. Um, I pretty much agree with exactly everything Danny just said okay. and you about Herb Smith. I mean, I think that they could survive, but it's going to be a lot more challenging. Did you, do you recall what you were saying about Cincinnati before your audio went kaput? Oh, well, you guys were just asking if that was a tough place to play. And obviously I have no idea if it is or not, but <laughs> I think it seems like there's a lot of uh, purple fans going there. And I would be surprised just from how many people I've talked to, if it's less than 50% Vikings fans, it's from what I can tell. So Mac on the notion of one player, arguably our best wide receiver potentially being hurt. It's, it's kind of moot now because he just has a AC sprain. Um, what, what goes through your head as the left tackle when, when Moss gets hurt or Chris Carter gets hurt, is it uh, oh we're screwed or is it just totally next man up? Well, you, <clears throat> I don't say we're screwed, but I feel like we're missing a big part of our offense. I do feel like that. And then I just kind of look back to see who's going to be next in line. And I always try to tell them that this is their opportunity to kind of get their shine on, make a name for themselves, you know, why they present the opportunity. So, you know, hopefully they, you know, they do that. Sally, one of our rookies that was drafted is a running back named Kene Ngwangu. Mm-hmm. Closest I'll get to accuracy for the month of August. I'll have it down by regular season. Uh, he is fast. Madden even called him the second fastest player in football. Who'd have thunk it? that we would find a dude like that. I've seen slight rumbles that he could be an upset RB2 instead of Madison, which would be strange mm-hmm. because Madison never really underwhelmed besides goal line plays in Seattle. Um, how do you think at all, if at all, Nwangu would be used in this offense at all? I don't know. I've been hearing that as well um, about Madison. I think that um, I don't think if it does happen, it's going to be very early on. Mm-hmm. However, if we have a COVID scare in that um, group, absolutely, you, he could shoot to number one very quickly. That'd be kind of like uh, Mike Boonish, too, because they're both mm-hmm. fast. And I think uh, Iwangu is even faster than Mike Boone. And we considered him, you know, flash. Uh, yep. Speed's always fun, whether you're playing a video game, fantasy football, or flat out watching the games on Sundays. Speed is always fabulous. So now that we have the second fastest dude, allegedly, in the NFL, it's he better not sit there doing nothing. Uh, John Ross in Cincinnati could tell you all about that. Uh, Danny, do you think that our current RB3, RB4, Nwangu will get any rotation in the offense? Um, I really don't think so. You know, I was pretty high on Mike Boone. He always played well in the preseason, but uh, what, he got like 15 touches a season, so... I don't think so. They might come up with a few jet sweeps for him. You know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping he makes the team as the third running back over Abdullah. So we'll see. Ron, your take on Nwangu, if you can say that yet. <laughs> I'm still not going to try because they, um, it's, it's just one of those tongue twisters that for me. So um, now in terms of if he can um, usurp uh, Madison um, as the second guy, um, I will say, Partially yes, but with a caveat. So, um, assume if Dalvin Cook would ever get hurt, which God forbid that happens, I think Madison is the starter. But whereas, um, you know, Kenang or however his name is, again, I'm not going to try it because this won't be good. Um, where he could potentially see more action with the offense because of that dynamic ability that he has with the speed. Um, I don't know about his receiving ability, uh, but just imagine a guy um, like Matt Breida for years when he kind of came out of nowhere in San Francisco, just that blazing fast. You use him out of the backfield, get the ball in his hands a couple times a game and see what happens. So um, he may get some opportunities in that regard, um, but it's not to say that he's overtaken 
uh, Madison. Um, but it's just, he's a different style of runner that, um, where Madison is very similar to Dalvin in his running style, um, where if that da- Dalvin's going to be on there as much as he can. So if you're looking for a guy to just spell him, it'll kind of be like Jet McKinnon, um, back in the day with Adrian, where you just bring him in and, um, because you know that he's dynamic. So, um, we'll see how it plays out. Um, I, I do get the feeling that he will get that RB three spot. And I think we'll only keep three running backs. I think Abdul at this point is that veteran guy to kind of go into the season. And uh, if they can prove that someone can return kicks and punts, at least catch the ball um, and not put it on the ground. I think Abdul's time will uh, unfortunately be, be through here. On the way that Nwangu has looked the part, at least from a speed perspective, I've wanted to write about this, but it feels like I'm unnecessarily stirring the pot because it's not based on any leaks or anything. But I really feel that if we have any tradable players on this team, it would be Alexander Madison. Um, If we indeed need an emergency offensive lineman because they realized in these preseason games that it's poop once again, I think Madison would be the only real tradable commodity. And he wouldn't even fetch, you know, that much, maybe a fifth rounder or something like the fourth rounder if somebody was panicking. Uh, but keep that in mind. If we pulled off another trade like in Gonkwe last year or something, I, you look up and down the depth chart. The only dude that seems tradable to me is Madison for a team like the Rams that they panic because their, their dude gets hurt. So just a theory, uh, not much other than that. Uh, offensive line, I already gave my speech about the rookies kind of floundering out of the gate due to injury and whatnot. Um, but we are where we are with the offensive line. Rashad Hill is the LT. So two dudes in Udo and Hill career backups to date surprise surprise are starting on a Vikings offensive line arguably out of natural positions uh so here we are we're doing this again Danny are you spooked is the combination of Hill and Udo better than Reef and Dozier Mm, I don't think so uh spooked no disappointed yes um I mean, I, I was really, I was thinking number one goal of the off season, sign a veteran offensive lineman and then supplement that with rookies. Mm-hmm. You know, we did that at corner last year. We, we relied on Mike Hughes, Holton Hill. And okay, well, at Gladney and Dantzler, well, look where that got us. And now I feel like we're doing the same thing on the offensive lineman. You know, we don't have a single veteran offensive lineman with anything higher than a minimum contract. So you know, uh, I think Riley Reef played really well last year, and mm-hmm. it's a sizable downgrade. I think Hill's a passable backup, but, you know, I'm hoping Darasaw will be ready, you know, what, week five, week six to step in? BMAC, if a left tackle drafted out of the first round, the guy we talked to, Christian Darasaw, if he's been banged up and not really getting first-team reps, is it too late in the business here one month from week one for him to rise to start week one? Uh, no, no, he, um, he still has time. It's what he still got just first preseason, but then he still has more training camp to prove himself and uh, two more of the preseason games after this first one. So he still has time. Okay, Sally, I know that you've been frustrated with the offensive line, like, like most of us, for how many years? Uh, do you think of this is here we go again? Um, I'm trying not to be, um, so pessimistic and feel like, and, you know, do my sky is falling bit, um, <laughs> like I did for 10 minutes with Justin Jefferson already this year, but, um, I feel very uneasy about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's just a, uh, a little bit rosier of a game plan, but it's the same thing. We just have this, I guess, light at the end of the tunnel that Udo is not Dozier. Therefore, it's not going to be that bad. Um, but all yeah, the, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, all of I'm the not, and yeah, all of the excitement, if you want to call it that, on uh, Udo is derived from playing against his own team. Uh, so that's why yeah. I, 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 you could probably hear it in my voice that I was really excited about Darrison and Davis to to be the homegrown offensive line, and it will be. I just wanted it earlier so they could start to grow up together in the first month and then be ready for you know prime time. Um, well. But, Kirk did say he wants to run more this year, so he may get his wish. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but running backwards isn't going to help. So. <laughs> oh, and we all know that he has the best pocket presence. So, yeah, it, it'll be. He better start running, uh, Ron. <laughs> it, are are you rolling your eyes at this temporary solution? So, uh, I mean, maybe one eye, I guess, uh, because the the Darius one is 
he's starting to concern me a little more just because you would have hoped to see him uh, as a more active participant to this point. Um, and we, I mean, we knew that he had the off season surgery and stuff, so that's not alarming. Um, but it's also, we, you need that ramp up time to kind of, at least for a rookie under Zim, it seems like you need to prove yourself. So the, I think week one is out of the question and it could go either way. Like we shouldn't need him because Cincinnati doesn't have, I mean, they don't have edge rushers. I mean, I know they signed um, like Hendrickson from the saints, but I mean, let's be real. How many of his sacks just were um, like <laughs> situational sacks? Like he's not a Daniel Hunter at all. So um, the defense of the Bengals don't worry me at all, but um, so I don't think we need those guys, but it'd be nice to see them go out there, get their feet wet in an NFL setting on the road, um, and, you know, play real football and then get, grow some of that confidence to start. So that's the part where it's concerning me because now if he misses week one, I don't know if you can put him out there week two, because now you're going up against JJ Watt and Chandler Jones. So if you're a rookie making your first start and that's who you have to go up against and don't forget about, um, you know, the other guy, like they have a solid team with Isaiah Simmons on the outside or as a linebacker does a lot for that team. So, um, it, then if you don't see him week two, now is it week three against Seattle? Now Seattle typically doesn't have a good D line, so maybe that's fine. But, uh, um, I think the first two weeks of the season are questionable at this point. So, We'll see what happens. Um, let's just hope they get healthy and that when they hit the field, that they stay on the field. And that's all that really matters, I guess. Be careful who you say that Bengals thing to about the defense, <laughs> because I tweeted very innocently that if the Vikings keep Cousins upright week one, we really won't know if the offensive line is better or <laughs> if it was just the Bengals defensive line. And then I got about four replies that said, you don't know anything about this Bengals defensive line. And they gave me these names as if it was supposed to be a big mic drop. And I was like, those names prove my point, sir. I right. don't know. I know who they are, but the general population doesn't. Just because um, he threw a lot of money at Hendrickson <laughs> doesn't mean that like it's worth it. You know what, Dustin? I was actually uh, just looking at the, Bengals defense today, I was sorting by sacks. Mm-hmm. Their leading sacker had a five and a half, and I think the next closest might have started with the number two. So, well, we so, can't say much le- because of our team like last year. Our leader didn't end up the he didn't end the te- end up the year on our team. So, well, yeah, touche, touche. Yeah. But but none of those guys are coming back this year. So that's, oh, that's yeah. different. We did, so. we did something about it, and um, we have a credo of sacking the quarterback and. <laughs> I, th- I I'm going to venture out that some, the reason that uh, that didn't happen is because we were without Hunter and Griffin. Uh, so we, we patchworked the thing together and it underwhelmed. And that's part of the reason this is a make or break season. And lastly, before we move on to Sally's human interest segment, uh, Ron, it must peeve you a little bit that uh, Slater looks really sweet out in Los Angeles because that was the guy that you wanted hell or high water, at least in one of our mock drafts together. Yeah. I mean, he definitely was, but I also, I didn't think he was going to make it to 13. Um, so I, that was one that, uh, I was definitely, I would trade up and get him if that's who you identify. Um, I mean, you know, we'll be hearing about it for years from chargers fans about how great Justin Herbert is, um, and, uh, and everything. So, um, but you know, good for him. Like I want to see him do well. Like his dad played for the Timberwolves way back when. So, um, you know, like I've known the name for a while. So, um, I mean, yeah, good for them if they found a gem to to be their franchise left tackle, um, a la Bryant McKinney. Um, great, good for good for them. Hopefully, it works out on our end too. But it would be a lot different if we passed on him for someone yeah. else, or yeah. we traded down when he was available. Then you'd be True. you'd be hearing me, uh, um, you know, <laughs> talk about it because that I think that would have been a blunder. But yep. we didn't that's have a, a chance at him. That's another one you got to look out for. Those Charger fans, uh, oh, man. they swarm like hornets too, and it's strange. Yeah. They're about um, as new as those jerseys that they have. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sally, what's on tap for uh, our human interest segment? Um, so I'm wondering, has there is there someone that comes to mind, a player that you were really, really rooting for um, during camp to make the roster um, one way or the other, but that you just really took a liking to um, a special person? Oh, my. If you guys don't have one, I can tell you mine. So... 2013, I had this like almost unhealthy obsession with Joe Webb making the roster as a wide receiver. (laughs) I do not know where it came from, but I was like obsessed with it. (laughs) 
and he made it. There's a, every year there's dudes that I like you guys have talked about uh, WAP and everything that I think would be neat if they uh, made the, the squad and they don't. Um, the one that comes to mind, even though it doesn't really fit is because I, I thought Corin Robinson back in the day, because he uh, I thought he was a good wide receiver. I hoped that he had been more. Uh, I always, I, he was one that I just hung on for forever waiting for this human uh, humongous breakout. And then we were still really infatuated with wide receivers at the time. And I was young, uh, so that one, when he just kind of fizzled out with his DUI stuff and all that, uh, that was one where I, I had a high hopes for, and you know, he, he was decent. Uh, McKinney, what about you? Is there, is there players that you grow close to in training camp? And then sometimes they just get cut and then sayonara. Um, yeah, there's definitely, um, people who I was kind of close to that, uh, I was rooting for like my wealthy, I was rooting for him. It was certain people. I can't remember the ones who didn't make it, but I know there were certain people that I was always rooting for in training camp. I feel like they were doing good. But then, like I say, in practice, they look like they're doing really good. But then when it comes to the game, sometimes everybody's not a gamer. Danny, what about you? Mm-hmm. Well, if Kyle Sloter doesn't count. <laughs> he counts. <laughs> well, Justin Fields North. <laughs> well... You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back deep in the recesses of my mind, and I'm gonna pull out uh, wide receiver Isaac Fricky. He's a former Gophers wide receiver, and oh, yeah. you know, for whatever reason, I was really high in him. I was like maybe you know 15 years old at the time, but uh, yeah, you know, it always seems like there's a wide receiver who tears up camp, and then you fall in love with them, and then yeah. oh, wait, and then I mean, you're not that good. Yeah, we're like, what don't they see? Why don't they get it? Uh, Ron, are you gonna drop a Lesnar on us or no? You know, I was thinking that as just for the, the story, but um, like, man, it's tough because it going so far back, it's I'm trying to rack my brain. The only one I can think of that I was very intrigued about um, is pretty recent and he hasn't done anything. So, I mean, obviously I know nothing about football. Uh, Bucky Hodges, um, just because when, when we got him and he's a 6'6", 250 pound tight end, that's blazing fast. So really he reminds me a lot of what Logan Thomas is now. Like Logan Thomas, Virginia Tech was a quarterback there and then he transferred position to wide earth to tight end in Arizona. And now he's like the dude's a pro bowl tight end, like, you know, at age 30. So um, I was kind of hoping that, you know, for a third tight end at the time to bring him in and be like, Hey, we're looking for that downfield field stretching tight end, big body guy, but clearly he wasn't very good. And I know he was taking shots at, uh, um, at Vikings on Twitter in the past. And um, when Kyle Rudolph had said that, you know, we've tried that before taking field stretching tight ends and it didn't work out. And he took it as a direct shot himself and started uh, um, running his mouth. But uh, um, that's really the only one I can think of that I really wanted to see just because of the, the unique size that he had. All right, BMAC, what what games did you say you're coming to U.S. Bank Stadium, if any? Are you coming to the Kevin Williams induction? October 3rd? I think it's around my birthday. I'm not sure. Um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, so I mean. Yeah. Yeah, when is your birthday? I know you're a Libra, but when is it? 23rd, the first day. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so that's the Seattle Seahawks game. Okay. The home opener. Never mind. That's Every a 26. That's a 26. I don't remember. I think I said it already before, which game I was coming to. I don't remember right now. I have a schedule. I'll oh, be at the Seahawks to... game now, too. So You yeah. should go to um, Kevin's uh, Ring of Honor. October 3rd. It's my, my birthday weekend. No, it's, the th- it's October 3rd, I think. Didn't he say the Cleveland yeah. game? Unless he misspoke. That's what it was. Okay, so maybe I could. The 26th, there's a ring of honor, but it's not Kevin's. Um, okay. It's someone else's. Um, but, yeah, you should come to the Browns game. <laughs> oh, one other thing, like kind of an atopic, um, you know, we got to – Nate Burleson, like the news that he's leaving oh, yeah. NFL Network and going to CBS. Yeah. Um, warning. Um, maybe we should try to get him back on again <laughs> before he gets busy and, uh, you know, get, getting all right. big Michael Strahan on, but, uh, well, anyways, kudos to him for like the man, that guy, he's great on TV. So him getting that CBS gig is uh fantastic. So it was but great. Here's yeah. my question. Is he going to have time for Nickelodeon? Well, it's, yeah, I just don't know. Like he's got to be a part of the, the priorities. I mean, so yeah, my we'll theory, see. my theory yeah, is that. My theory is that uh, the Nickelodeon showed his versatility, and people noticed that. 
you know, mm-hmm. just slide over and do a kid's thing for three hours. Boom. You can slide over and do adult shit for three hours. You know, yeah. Wait, Nate Brunson does Nickelodeon too? He did it for that stupid playoff game between the Bears and the Saints that we should have been oh. in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, he got slimed and everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danny, that's uh, we appreciate you coming on. So I got to give a shout out to Melanie, who is the owner operator of Purple Pain Forums, where there's a lot of fabulous Vikings chats that go down. Um, when my friend Joe Johnson passed away one month ago, uh, she reached out to me and said that she wanted to do anything that she could to, to help me and to help Joe's family. And so she and I started talking and I said, hey, send over your best guy or gal. And she sent you. So I appreciate you joining this, the show and I hope you remember us. So maybe we can chat in the midsection of the season and do some autopsy of those games and whatnot. Uh, anything else from you tonight, Danny? Um, I don't think so. Thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Oh, one other thing before, like, um, like Brian, I know we had touched kind of briefly on it a couple weeks ago about the, the college players and getting their NIL or whatever. So I don't know if you heard the story about Miami's quarterback um, where he is now, he signed an endorsement deal with the Florida Panthers, the NHL team. Like, I I don't know what all that entails, but it's a, you know, it's a seven figure thing where he signed it and he's going to be a spokesperson or something. I don't know. Is the quarterback um, of Miami coming in? Is he anything uh, to keep an eye on? For his NFL prospects, or well, is it just a... in, yeah, we did great last season for, um, for okay. the team. So uh, I know everybody's happy that he's back. Uh, he's coming off an injury, but they're happy he's back and looking forward to him having another great season. How odd is that? That the NHL, like the NHL team, wants to get a college kid in there to yeah. to bring awareness to their team. I don't know. I guess I don't know what hockey or Miami is like. He, I guess, is the team leader, and then the team. I think they went nine and three or something last season. So they, they're doing pretty good. So they're looking for them to be better this season. And the, I feel like the University of Miami has a bigger following probably than the uh, Panthers. <laughs> so it's like we can start getting some of those guys come over. You know, maybe they'll help us out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just saw the story and I instantly thought of you as figured I'd, I'd ask about it. So. All right. Well, that is all we have. Danny, thanks again, sir. We'll talk to you again in the future. Um, congrats to everybody on the panel for not bringing up vaccines. That was a, uh, a big milestone. <laughs> it, show, it shows you that it's going to the, to the rear view mirror for a while. Uh, that's all we got. And full we'll Vikings. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.